the beauty of the washing of God's Word. We looked last week at this concept, this idea of why do we make disciples? And I challenged you, I gave you a little tool to kind of put some of these things to practice and uh, begin uh, to meet with some other believers and work through in that particular sheet of paper, that insert that's in your bulletin, and work through uh, what it meant to understand why we are called to make disciples and the end that God is moving everything to. And there's another sheet in your bulletin here to kind of expand on and think through, put to practice here um, with this topic here of what is a disciple. And so please, would you take that and would you get together with one or two other people and would you work through some of that together this week and prepare your heart deeper and, and what the Lord um, uh, has said about what it means to be a disciple. I'm going to begin reading again in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus' words to his disciples, his commission, before he ascends, he says, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to know all things whatsoever commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Is that what it says? I may have read it so fast you might not have heard. He says teach or make disciples in verse 19. And then verse 20 he says teaching them to what? Observe. And what did I say? No. I've heard it illustrated like this. If those of you who have raised kids or are still in the process of raising kids and you tell your kid to go and clean their room. And they come back and you check on them and the room's still messy. They said, but I memorized what you said. There's a noun in there. There's a verb. There's an adjective. There's a period at the end. I've analyzed the grammar of it. I memorized it in Greek. I give you all the cross-references here to where you have said that in your life. Would you be satisfied with that? No. Jesus says, teaching them to obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. I'm afraid that we're afraid of that word obey. And because we believe the lie that the devil has told us that to obey is to resort to legalism. That to obey means that it's in my own effort without the power of the Spirit of God. And to obey means that God doesn't want me to enjoy Him. There's obedience as an obstacle to that. And all those things are lies of the devil that have begun in Genesis 3, right? You see, it is by the Holy Spirit and by walking in Jesus and the power that we have because of Him and the grace and mercy that He shows, and the relationship that we've been thrust into, we've been given in the person of Jesus Christ. That says, Lord, I love You. You're my Father, and I do want to obey You. We're to teach them to learn something here, right? And it's to learn how to put to practice 
what Jesus commanded them, verse 20 says. So if I asked you this question this morning, what is a disciple? Uh, what, what would you say? What are, some, what are some answers to that? What is a disciple? And I would like to, to get, get your ideas here this morning. What is a disciple? It's a concept. Someone? Oh, Laura, I'm sorry. A learner. Okay. A learner. Tim? An imitator. Okay. A follower. Anything else? What's that? Observer. An observer. Okay. Yeah. Someone who's bought in. Someone who's bought in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else? Okay, you're hearing disciple and discipline. And, and so when it be to uh, order yourself uh, after the, the person. Mm, to order yourself after the person. That's pretty insightful. Jesse? I would say in order to be a question, first of all, be a leader. Yeah, you got to know him, right? Logan? A listener who applies. A listener who applies. Yeah. Irving? A doer of the word and not hear. Chris? Yeah, that's what Jesse said is is must first first be a believer. Yeah. It keeps the commandments of Christ. Keeps the commandments of Christ, okay. Tim? Someone that carries the authority to put their disciple up. What do you mean by that? If you're a disciple of someone, whether it be Christ or any other thing, you when you speak, you people assume you are speaking the words of that person. You carry the authority of the person that you are claiming to be the disciple of. Mm, okay. Yeah. You're a, a representative is kind of what you're saying. Yep. Represent them. Sure. Did you have a greater aspiration to be something? Okay. To be something greater. Okay. Be something greater. Desire, aspiration, be something greater. Dennis? No, desire, relationship to somebody that knows more. And Matthew knows. Okay, to say that again? To desire a relationship to one that mm. knows a lot more than Matthew knows. Okay, desire for a relationship to, for someone, to someone who knows a lot more than what you know. Sarah? A supporter and an advocate. Okay, supporter and advocate, yep. Yeah. A lot of. Uh, yeah. A teacher? A teacher. We we'll follow from that. Eddie? One who is willing to suffer and forsake all of you. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, Eddie said one who is willing to suffer and forsake all for your for your leader. When I was growing up, um, there was about eight years of difference between me and a and a and a and a guy in my church whose name was Jason Bullock. And Jason uh, had this passion for the outdoors. And at this time in my uh, the ministry where I was growing up, my dad was a church planner. He planted a church in Connecticut, and we had finally acquired a building. Um, that we are going to uh, um, uh, put down, put down some more more permanent roots and location, and so there was a lot of renovation that was going on in this building. It used to be an old um, chicken uh, processing uh, place, I think, more for eggs than the meat, and um, and uh, so there's a lot of work that went in, into that building with with men from the church, and and uh, when uh, Jason was it was a teenager and I was a young man, a uh, young boy. And I looked up to Jason because, and one of the ways we are pastors intersect besides church was the, like Saturday work days at the church. We're trying to renovate this place, 
And after some of the work was done, then Jason uh, would go off into the woods. There were six acres of land that the church building was on, and it was all wooded. And, and uh, he, was a, he would have his bow, and, and he was always trying to hone his archery skills and get his sights lined up and get better and better than that. He um, uh, would make, uh, make uh, traps and, and snares in the woods, uh, you know, out of, out of basically just having his knife. And, and, uh, and so I would follow Jason, and I would try to learn from Jason because I, was, I wanted to be like Jason. I looked up to Jason so much. And quite frankly, I was pretty pesky uh, following him and, and wanting to go everywhere. He would you know, find the deer trails in the woods and the rabbit trails in the woods, literal rabbit trails uh, here. And uh, just, just he allowed me to tag along with him and just showed me some things. And I had in my heart this desire to be just like Jason. And I learned a lot of things from Jason. I learned how to make a snare where you bend over the little sapling and, and cut a little notch into the other tree and put that in there in the snare. We never caught anything. I was always afraid we'd get one of the neighbor's cats and, and that and we'd have some explaining to do. Um, uh, I, would, I would follow him as he, as he showed me some of the signs of deer in the woods and, the, and you know, how to tell, uh, how to track some of, the, some of the animals and other creatures in the woods. Uh, I wanted to be with Jason. And I don't know that he necessarily wanted to be with me, but he was very patient with me and allowed me to be with him. I wanted to uh, uh, be able to do the things that he did. I wanted to understand the things about the forest and the woods that he understood. I wanted really to be like Jason. And that, in a sense, is what it means to be a disciple. We read, uh, Howard, Brother Howard read 1 John 2, 3-6. And that last verse says, If you say you abide in him, you remain, you live in him then you ought to walk even as he walked. Galatians 5 talks about believers who are to keep in step with the Spirit. Walk as the Spirit walks. Because the Spirit directs us into the ways of Jesus. And so a disciple is in one sense, and that's what the word literally means. Mathetes means learner. It means to be a learner. To be a learner. To be like one's teacher, one's rabbi. And a lot of you had a lot of things that, uh, that you mentioned even this morning that, that hit it at that particular truth. But it's not just wanting to know what the teacher knows, but it's wanting to be like him in all his ways. <clears throat> and so what I'd like you to do this morning is turn to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 40. To answer this question, what is... A disciple. We're going to work through several scriptures and then two particular pictures of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 6 and verse 40. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect or complete shall be as his master. The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect or complete in the process here shall be as his master. He shows the relationship between the master and the rabbi, the teacher and the student here. And it wasn't just simply to know what the teacher knew, but it was to become like the teacher. Um, it, it was, it was, it's certainly learning truth, isn't it? To grow as a disciple means that you're learning truth. It means that you are learning the things that, you, that your master, your teacher is teaching you. It's learning content. That's a huge part of it. In fact, if you look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 and 2 with our Lord's example, 
here. He says very clearly, he, he, he took his disciples, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. So it's content, it is knowledge, right? But it is, it is, it is knowledge not as an end, but as a means along the way. It's learning truth so that you have, it's more than just what your teacher knows, but you, you start to incorporate the truth into your life and living like your teacher. There's a word that's used over and over in the book of Acts particularly. And it's the word, the way. The way. In fact, that's what the early church called themselves, the way. The way. The way of what? Well, John 14.6 tells us that Jesus said, I am the way, right? The truth and the life. No man comes unto the Father but through me, but by me. The way of Jesus. The way of Jesus. So Jesus is the way to relationship with His Father. But there is also the idea of walking in His ways. There are many times in the Old Testament where God says to Israel uh, about walking in His ways. So it is not just learning facts about that person, but it is learning a person. Learning a person. And there's a distinction there. So, you'll notice as you read the Gospels here that when Jesus' disciples um, were taught by Jesus, they followed Jesus around, didn't they? They followed Jesus around. It was an all-the-time thing, not just when He was preaching. They wanted to learn His ways, to learn uh, uh, the truth of who He is, why God sent Him, and to learn His way, which was a way of suffering and a way of death. And they learned His ways because just about all the disciples walked that long path eventually at the end of their life to martyrdom for Christ. Luke chapter 14 and verse 33 tells us some of Jesus' ways here for expectations for His disciples. By faith and by God's grace, Luke 14.33 says, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. In other words, Jesus is saying, you, 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 you can't. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. We can't be holding on to our own things, our own heart, our own desires, and say, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. So, it is the idea in Luke 14, verse 33, of leave behind who you are to follow your Master, to walk with Him. And, and that may mean to face the cross that we're called to bear. It's the idea of not saving my old life, but it is the idea of losing the old life for His new life. It's how Paul can say later on, being crucified with Christ and living, becoming alive, being resurrected to new life in Him. So it's leaving all that I am, all that I know about myself that is unlike Christ. It is leaving all that I am without Him and by God's grace turning to a new direction to a total new life, becoming a new creation, a new master, a new king, a new savior. And there's a couple ways that this is really pictured, actually, in the scriptures and in our faith here that maybe you haven't thought about, that really help explain what it means to be a disciple. What is a disciple? And one of these ways 
is baptism. And so let me get your, uh, your participation again here. What is baptism? It's going into the water, right? Going into the water. It's for believers. It's going into the water and coming back out of the water. What is it all about? What's baptism? It's your first step of obedience, right? After your your uh, your salvation. Just. Okay, it's expressing. Yeah, public display of your faith in Jesus. It's a picture of being buried with Christ, right? We even say this: buried with Christ and raised again to new life, right? What else? What's what? What is baptism all about, Jason? Yes, it's identifying yourself with Jesus. Jesus, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Jesus is mine. And I am His. He is mine, right? He is my beloved and I am His beloved. Right? It is, it is, it is not anything that adds to God's grace. It's not anything that saves us. But it is an expression, as, as Jesse said here, of, of that Jesus is mine and I'm identifying with Christ and rising again in His resurrection. What else? Yes. It is basically guiding your walk with Christ. In other words, you're becoming a disciple. Yeah. Yeah, it's a saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. Heidi? It's a physical, public statement. Yeah. It's not just in Yes, it's coming out, right? It's 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 a it's a physical, very physical thing. It's the water, the H two O, those H two O molecules don't do anything to you, right? So get you wet. But what are you saying? It's it's like you're pledging, right? It's like a pledge. Jesus, you are mine. We'll follow you. Yes, yes. Yeah, baptism in many countries where things are where Christians are more persecuted becomes a, an obvious line of demarcation to the unbelieving world. I have a friend in Poland who uh, ministers in Poland and um, and uh, particularly among many Roman Catholics in Poland and and uh, when they are baptized at the river, there is village separation from them. Things get real. Things get real. Well, baptism is one of those pictures of what it means to be a disciple. It's a symbol of repentance. It's a symbol, a, a picture of being washed and clean, of dying and rising. It's a picture of saying, I am turning from the old way and by faith in God's grace, I am moving to new life in Jesus. And how does that happen? Well, it happens by recognizing that my life before was lived for me. It was lived for me. I was the master. I was the king of my life. I was my own savior. Or I was trusting in other things to redeem me, to save me, to give me happiness, to give me joy. And it was lived in rebellion against God, the king. And then I, through Christ's work, His blood, I plead forgiveness for God to wash clean those thoughts and those actions that were against Christ. And so it is, it is a picture of a leaving and then a learning of Jesus. But do you understand that before Christ, you are a disciple still, but you're a disciple of another master? 
Ephesians 2 talks about uh, how we were slaves, uh, we were children of the disobedient, uh, ch- children of the disobedient, and and the prince of the power of the air was really our master, wasn't it? And so, when you come to Christ, there is not only a learning of Christ, there is also the unlearning of the old ways. And Paul will put it this way: Put off that which is not Jesus Christ. Be renewed in your mind and what the truths of Scripture say and the ways of Christ and what it is to, to function in these and these ways of, 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 of life in Jesus' new covenant and, and His power, His Spirit, and the Word of God and the new, new community of believers, the church here, and to put on Christ. To put on Christ. And so it is not only learning Jesus as our only Master. It is and being transformed by the renewing of our minds, but it is a unlearning, isn't it? An unlearning. And that's the Christian life, isn't it? Over and over and over again. God shows us more things. And, and we become uh, more and more... Uh, 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 God's, God's intent for us has become more and more entrenched in this pattern of, oh Lord, You revealed that about my heart too. Lord, help me. And Lord... Replace it with you in this particular area. And that's why it takes a great work, doesn't it? It's God's grace all the way through to rescue us from that dark kingdom we were slaves to and transform us into the kingdom of His Son who He loves. So baptism is... is it's kind of a picture here, isn't it? Uh, of, of God's plan to make disciples because it's such... Right there, it's just a, a little snapshot right there of what it means to be a disciple. And so, brothers and sisters, if you have been born again, you need to be baptized because what you are saying is, Lord, You are mine and I am Yours. And that is what it means to be a disciple. But there's another picture here, and it's in Matthew chapter 11. I'd like to show you this morning. Matthew chapter 11. And verse 27 through 30. Again, very familiar verses. Familiar concepts here. But so rich. Matthew 11, verse 27. All things are delivered to me of my Father. No man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest to your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My favorite thing at the fair is to see the oxen. That's my favorite thing. And also some of the wood uh, woodsmanship there with chainsaws and axes and stuff. I like that. And I like to see the oxen. And I like to see the oxen uh, when they have the oxen pulls. And, 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 and when you see that, you get a really good picture of what it is to be in a yoke. It's a really, it's, it, to, to take the yoke means that you are serving the farmer's wishes, right? You are pulling these, uh, the, those oxen are, are to pull those, those weights there. And to take the yoke in this concept here, and Matthew eleven twenty seven through 30 was a very common expression to refer to a rabbi's yoke. 
The expectations of the rabbi, the the following of a rabbi. It means in this sense here, to serve. It means to surrender. It means to accept the rabbi, the master's authority, just like an oxen would do to serve the farmer's purpose here. And it is learning of Him. Notice what Jesus says, Come to Me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you, and what? Learn of Me. Learn of Me. Take the truths of that, that are in Jesus, ingest them, and digest them, and let them begin to permeate throughout you. And by God's grace... And faith in what He has said. See you learn Jesus and become changed. It's learning the ways of the Master to become like Him. And Jesus tells us the reason He's the Master we need to learn from to become like Him. In the previous verses, uh, He says that His Father has given Him authority to Him over all things to the Son of God. He knows all things. He knows and reveals the Father. And that's where we find rest when we take the yoke of Jesus upon us. Now, we might see that yoke and say, learning of Jesus, that, that's a high calling, isn't it? That doesn't sound very restful. He's not talking about a, that there's not going to be mental anguish, that it's not going to be easy, like it's just a cakewalk, but he means by God's grace. Our hearts can be at peace, and at the end, we will see that it was a small thing, a small thing to be a servant. There's great reward, great reward. Have you ever thought about Jesus' life, for example? Jesus, Jesus, the one who is all-knowing, right? All-powerful, and he puts himself into... An infant, right? He becomes an infant, right? He's born. Helpless. Born in obscurity. Nobody knows really much about Nazareth. Bethlehem, where he was born, isn't hardly on the map, except that's where David was from. Um, and and, and it's, it's, it's a life where for 30 years, no one really... I mean, people see him, and he's working a life of probably a stone cutter, a construction worker, in a lot of ways. Uh, and but but and there was something different about him. But when he starts his ministry, people are not the Messiah. You're Jesus of Nazareth, right? So this 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 one who was born in a stable, he was unknown in a small village for thirty years. He has no army, has no weapons, he has no throne. But he comes to a cross. He teaches. He heals. He loves. He's forsaken on a cross for his enemies. And the all-conquering, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present King of Kings and Lord of Lords lives that way. He lives that way, and he says, "Come to me and learn of me. Learn of me." He says, "Take my yoke upon you." He's talking about a life that's surrendered. A life that is total surrender. But this is where freedom is, isn't it? The devil says that freedom is serving him. But it's bondage. It's destruction. It destroys. And Jesus says, come to Me. This is where you find life. This is where you find abundant life. This is where there is forgiveness. This is where freedom. This is a new life. This is a new kingdom. Freedom from sin. 
And baptism and that yoke really give a pretty good picture of the kind of learning a disciple must take. That through Christ's work on the cross, we have been freed from the power of the old ways and the old life. And we've been brought in a new relationship with God and with His Son into freedom and rest to be like His teacher, our teacher. So a disciple then we could say is someone who is learning to be like Jesus over time. Over time. It is part of it is that it, of that is is unlearning the old ways and learning his new ways and that that's not just simply like a cognitive thing like I'm just learning this it's it's the idea of I get into his word I get in a community with his people I study the word I allow the Holy Spirit to take its truths and 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 change me put them into my life I'm washed with the water of his word and I'm changed as I'm walking I'm seeing examples of this with other believers I'm being encouraged I'm being exhorted. That's what it means to be a disciple. I'm, I'm pouring into others uh, these truths here because, because God's work is important in this ministry, this task that we've been given is, 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 is really why, why we exist to glorify Him. So we are unlearning the ways of what it meant that when this temptation comes up, this is what I used to do. Now I've been, been delivered, as Romans 6 says, into a body of truth. God's truth. The designer of the universe. The one who loved me that He gave Himself for me. And therefore, I now am... That's not me anymore. Oh yeah, those thinking patterns and those habits still are influential, aren't they? But becoming a disciple more and more is what Jesus says in Paul. through Paul. He says, it is crucifying the flesh. It is no longer I who live, but what? Christ lives in me. That's what it is to be a disciple. It's Christ living in me and learning more and more of what that means. So it's giving more and more of myself to Jesus as I begin to understand more and more of what needs to be given to Jesus. And it's taking on more and more of Jesus as I understand more and more of who Jesus is. His Word. It's learning and unlearning. It's being transformed by truth that changes us to be like Him. It's like what Paul can say in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, I beseech you, I beg of you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you what? You present your body as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your very reasonable and logical service. Right? And what? Do not be conformed to the world, right? The world's patterns, the world's values, the world's desires, the way the world wants to mold you, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's very simply what it is to be a disciple. That's why that's one of the first verses you learn when you come to Jesus. That's it right there. Very, very simple way here. And so, why does Jesus say in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, why does he say, make disciples, teach? Teach all nations. Why does He say then, after their baptism, you are to teach them to observe all things whatsoever commanded? Why does He say that? Because Jesus has a goal in mind, doesn't He? Jesus has a goal in mind. And it is to, to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. Conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. To be like Jesus. To lay down our lives 
and say, Jesus, this was who I was. Jesus, this is who I am in Christ. Now, Lord, by Your grace, help me walk in this. So we've turned in faith from sin to Christ. We've turned to be like Him by by our, uh, our life in Him. So everything that we should be doing then in our church ministry, etc., here, uh, in, our, in, our, in, our, uh, in our daily uh, time with the Lord, in our interactions with other people, we need to see as it is, it is, it is transforming us. It is, it is part of the process in transforming us to learn Christ in His ways. So the New Testament tells us over and over to learn Christ, to be like Him. So let me just take you through a few, chapter, uh, few passages here as I wrap up. Go to Romans chapter 16. See this idea here of disciple, of learner. Romans 16 and verse 17. Paul says, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have what? Learned, learned, and avoid them. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 31. For you may all prophesy one by one, what? For what purpose? That all may learn and all may be comforted. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Verse 9. Philippians 4 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Look at verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. Now Paul will say, I've learned this way of Christ. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. That's one aspect of what it means to learn Christ's contentedness. Colossians chapter 1, verse 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you have heard before, and the word the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it is in all the world, and brings forth fruit, as it does also in you, since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God and truth, as you also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who was for you a faithful minister of Christ. And so there he says, the gospel, it's come to you, it's bearing fruit. And he says, here's an example here of Epaphras. And you're seeing by his example what it is to learn to be like Jesus. Well, probably there's no better passage and more clearer passage in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 and verse 19. Talking about the old life in verse 17 and 18. Paul says this in Ephesians 4.19, "...who being past feeling, they're hard-hearted, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ." If so be that you have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. Now wait a minute. Jesus had been resurrected and ascended now for some time, right? But he says, you have been taught by Him the truth that's in Jesus. You've heard Him. And how is that happening? It's happening through His Word. 
through the apostles in the church, putting into practice, making disciples, teaching them to observe whatsoever He commanded them. It says in verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the former manner of life, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth. And he talks about this replacing process here. Learning Christ. And one more passage, Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. He closes the book with this. Verse 14. And let ours or our people also learn to maintain, to practice good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. Let them learn what? To put the practice, right? What they've learned of Christ. So being a Christian, a disciple means... You have a new truth, right? You have a new living. You have a new repenting. You have a new faith in every area of life. And so we're to be, the church is to be a machine of learning Christ that changes people through the Word of God and the power of the Spirit of God. Not just in our formal services and our getting together and our structure here this morning, but continually. And one of the ways you can do that is by simply just taking a tool here and ask yourself with another, with some other believers here. Okay, let's work through this. What is it to be? Uh, what does it mean to be a disciple? And so when it all comes down to it, we can see really. And Jared, can you go back? Go to the next slide here. Uh, is is that a disciple is a forgiven sinner, forgiven sinner, who has been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and who has now their whole lifetime to grow to be like Christ, to learn Christ. And there's great reward, isn't there? There's great reward for being faithful in Christ by God's grace. It produces rewards, the Bible says. God doesn't just save us, He gives us the opportunity here in our Christian life to by His grace earn rewards. Rewards that He gives us strength to do. Is that amazing? It's amazing. And those rewards are, 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 are not something to just be blinked at and, yep, rewards. You know, like a blue ribbon. No. These, these really matter. They're huge. They're huge in heaven. They, they, they are something that when we are heaven and receive, we will, we will, we will, we will understand why all the suffering and the, and the difficulties and the fight of faith and the, and the saying no to the flesh was worth it. I'll make it clear. So a disciple is a forgiven sinner who's learning Christian repentance and belief. And by Christian repentance, what I mean is this. Understanding more and more of how my life is not in accordance with Christ. And understanding more and more of who Christ is. And giving those things over to the Lord and pursuing righteousness. That's what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, your blood was so precious and you were willing to spill it for us. To redeem us, as Titus says, from all iniquity and purify to yourself a unique people who are zealous of good works. Lord, what what an example of Jesus we have. Lord, who is the true human, the perfect image of God, 
who descended into a broken, sin-cursed world. And through dependence on Your Spirit, showed us what it is to be a person fully formed in the image of God. Apostle Paul said to the Galatians that he would labor until Christ was formed in them. Lord, may that be our passion. We have a true relationship with You. We love You. And Lord, You have, you have given us uh, instructions. You have given us Your grace and mercy to frame out what it means to be a people who reflect You. May that drive every one of us. May it be rooted in Your strength, Your grace, Your empowering Spirit, and Your Word. And not our feelings, and not our flesh's pushback, 